Just what? Don't come near me. So that clip that I just shown, I don't know if many of you have seen the film, it's called The Green Mile. The Green Mile is the uh, green floor that people on death row in America literally have to walk down as they go to their place of execution. Not a great start for the morning, is it, to talk about execution. This film is not portraying a true story of an actual event, but it does include uh, true um, events within it. So the man who was performing the miracle, uh, John Coffey, is a stage name for somebody that who did get convicted for a crime that he did not commit and therefore um, had the death penalty placed on him. But John Coffey is a drama name, is a film name, is a fictional name and the healing in that film uh, was a fictional, it wasn't uh, a true event. But just reflecting on that, it fascinates me, the concept of a miraculous act 
a divine act, John Coffey was a man who believed in God in this film, had these supernatural healing powers, these miraculous signs of the glory of God. John Coffey was not the healer. What was inside him was the healer. He heals through the gifts that he's been given, the prison governor's wife, Melinda, who is in bed with cancer. And he draws from her breath, her mouth into his mouth, the illness out of her and into him, which has devastating effects on his health, but also makes the world shake. The point of that story is John's gospel tells us about the first signs and wonders of the glory of God that is revealed in Jesus Christ. And in a moment, we're going to have um, that section in chapter 2, verses 1 to 12, read to us. But I want us to just be thinking about, are you seeing the signs and wonders of God? What signs and wonders are you seeing? If you're not seeing the signs and, signs and wonders, why not? Are you missing them? I passionately believe and have no doubt in my heart and mind that signs and wonders happen every day. Maybe you're looking for the firework um, signs and wonders and are missing the everyday signs and wonders of God's glory revealed to the earth in reality. Now, I remember when I was on a, um, a mission in Uganda and I was praying with two people and um, after I just preached, I just preached. It wasn't a great preach. Uh, you're getting used to that. And um, not much happened until another pastor within my team stood forward and said, did you not hear what he said? Um, he said, those that want to give their life to Jesus, come forward. Um, and he went on a little bit and a whole bunch of people came forward for, uh, to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Saviour. So I clearly missed something. Nevertheless, he stopped this horde of people coming forward. Went, whoa, whoa, stop. You came to faith a week ago. Are you a backslider? You've been in the church a year. You've, you're on the leadership team. What's the matter with you? Right, backsliders over here, new converts over here. He went and prayed with the new converts and I prayed with the backsliders. Read what you're liking to that. But as I was praying with two people, um, I was praying for a man and a woman and I was praying for the Holy Spirit to come upon them. And as I stood there praying, Lord, um, in my head, I'm saying, Lord, fill them with your Holy Spirit. In, in, with my mouth, I'm saying, Father God, um, bless them, renew them, restore them. And as I was praying, a woman fell to the floor and was shaking uh, violently. The man was standing and shaking violently and they were clearly encountering something of the signs and wonders of God's healing power, his deliverance power on their lives. And as I'm praying verbally with them, saying, release them in the name of Jesus, release them into your kingdom, into your freedom, fill them with your wholeness. In my head, I'm thinking, Lord, what is going on? Um, because I'm feeling absolutely nothing other than just pray. So I just obediently prayed and their lives were touched and moved. I personally didn't feel anything, nothing, um, nothing good, nothing bad. It was neutral. Um, all I knew was if God is doing something, hallelujah, praise be to God. And this is the challenge on signs and wonders. What are you looking for? What are you waiting for? Are you 
being obedient in ministering the good news of Jesus Christ? Are you being obedient in allowing yourselves to be used for the signs and wonders of God's glory on earth for the, the needs of people who are seeking, who are searching, who are desperate, who are hungry? So signs of God's glory, such as healing, miracles, deliverance from evil spirits and other wonders are indeed moments of heaven being revealed on earth in reality. I believe they are happening every day. Often they come through the most unconventional ways. And in this film, we see a, a very unconventional um, uh, example of God's glory being revealed. I wonder if we're too focused on the big firework um, miracles and signs and wonders of God's glory and I'm missing the every day. When we open this chapter in, in John's Gospel, chapter 2, we get the first miraculous sign of God's glory. As you enter into the Word with me and with those that have joined us today, prepare to allow God to unlock more of his potential in you and your potential in him. As the Gospel of John is read to you from chapter 2, ask him now to reveal to you the wonders of his glories as you receive his word on your life for the building of his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had, been, had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they had no wine. And, Je and Jesus said to her, woman, what concern is that to you and me? And to me, my, my hour is not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now standing there were six stone water jars for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to them, fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. He said to them, now draw some out and take it to the chief steward. So they took it. When the steward tasted the water that had become wine and did not know where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the steward called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first and then the inferior wine after the guests have become drunk. But you have kept the good wine till now? Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went to Capernaum with his mother, his brothers, and his disciples, and they remained there a few days. So, I wonder whether you felt this passage was a little cryptic. 
A bit like that challenge I posed um, earlier on in the service, which I will um, reveal to you um, towards the end, and maybe some of you have already got it. But it's, it comes across as quite cryptic. So we're going to unpack this passage very briefly, um, as for some among us, it could be too cryptic to work out for yourself. But before we do that, just um, stick with that challenge. Don't give up. There is a purpose and a meaning and a benefit to not giving up on that challenge. So uh, this account from John's Gospel is extremely prophetic. It reflects the later fullness of the glory of Jesus Christ as he goes to the cross of crucifixion, as he goes to the to the place of death, to the penalty of death where redemption comes, which we're going to touch on in a little while. This is a, a clue to what's going to happen in chapter 19 of John's Gospel. The, the first part is on, on the third day in verse 1. In the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. Extremely important. It's where, it's where Nathaniel came from. And this third day, often um, uh, some scholars or some historians would say that uh, the third day relates to um, the third day of the week where the virgin would get married because um, that's, that's a, a traditional way uh, and, and way forward for people to have their weddings on a specific day. Some differ on that. Um, and many others would say this is a reflection of the third day, as in the day Jesus rose. Good Friday, he was crucified, and on the third day, he rose again. So it's a prophetic, cryptic clue into his resurrection that we're going to see um, within three years of his ministry. The wedding like a heavenly banquet prepared for the wedding guests. Those that accept God's invitation. Revelations 21.2 says, And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride ordained for her husband. This is the account that John is um, sharing another prophetic insight to the greater glory, the big glory that we're going to enter into for those that believe and follow. It's a foretaste of the great heavenly feast that awaits those that believe. The water jars. Now, the water jars, um, it, it says in there, I believe, six water jars. Um, uh, now, standing there were six stone water jars for Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Now, I've only got little jars and I've only got four. Sorry, I couldn't conjure up any more. But just for focus, these water jars, the significance here are the um, signs of the purification of what it means to be purified. They are water jars where normally water would be a ritual rite of purifying oneself before you go in to the temple. Here, um, this, this symbolizes the new life, the newness of life. Like we've just started January. This is a new beginning. We have a, 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 each day is a new beginning. Waking up in the presence of God in this world is a new beginning, an opportunity to be purified in his um, 
um, in, in his spirit, in, in his heavenly blessings that he bestows upon us. So um, something here of um, a new life, which again, uh, these water jars that were filled with water and the wine left, or, or, or Jesus turned it into wine towards the end and the guests getting the best wine at the end was an unconventional way of doing things. The best wine would normally be shared at the beginning as the scriptures tell us and the, the cheap wine when everybody's had a few and got a bit tipsy would have the, the, the cheap wine at the end. But the main significance about the water jars and the purification is a one of transformation. John is emphasizing the significance Jesus has in this world and in our lives, bringing us an eternal transformation, which starts right here, right now, the day we stop, look, listen, follow, and believe. Then we begin a journey of transformation. Then we begin to see the signs and wonders of God's glory in our everyday life. Now, running out of wine would have been a social disaster and a complete embarrassment on the family. And the bride and groom would have looked at it as a, a, an omen or a bad luck uh, on their married life or the beginning of their married life. The family would have lived with the shame for many years to follow. As we read this first um, of Jesus' signs, of which was not which he was not over keen to do, we get this picture of a mother and son uh, getting into a bit of a disagreement. Clearly Mary doesn't recognise the fullness of that glory. She recognises that there's something unique, that she is carrying the Son of God. But I'm not convinced in her humanness she um, connects fully with the significance because we don't really hear much from her until later on in chapter 19 where Jesus is on the cross and she weeps. <coughs> she weeps for her son and she starts to um, embody the pain and the suffering of what it means to let her son go as he um, goes to the cross of, of um, redemption, as he goes to the cross of sacrifice for the sins of the world. So I don't doubt for one minute that they are, there are big miraculous signs of God happening today. I believe there are daily signs of uh, miraculous uh, godly interventions. Uh, Tom Wright puts it like this, the whole point of signs is that they are moments when heaven and earth intersect with each other. That's what Jews believed happened in the temple. The point is not that they are stories which couldn't have happened in real life, but which point away from earth to a heavenly reality. John is eager for us to understand through moments like this that the life of heaven literally comes to earth through the person of Jesus and those whose faith lies on and within Jesus. There is glory hidden in our shame and in our embarrassment and in our embarrassment if we look and approach life with faith in him. God uses human weakness to bring about his glory. This is the this is a, a cryptic clue to the great suffering that's going to happen 
later on in the gospel. And that through human weakness, through Jesus Christ's humanness, broken, fractured and torn, rejected and despised, God's glory comes. And, and at this wedding, the time was not ready. Jesus resisted in trying to um, allow his mum to put him in that. I, 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 I try to picture it in a, in a Western mindset because that sounds disrespectful, the way this conversation goes. Uh, woman, um, my time isn't ready yet. Yeah, mum, leave me alone. You're embarrassing me. It's not ready yet. Just, just get, get out of their business. Mind their, you know, keep away from their business. That's a sort of Western picture I get. But this is not the way I believe it is meant to be received. See, if you're feeling right now during the present sufferings and circumstances that we find ourselves in, if you're feeling that uh, these are serious sufferings, and they are, I don't play that down, I don't um, say that lightly, um, and you're thinking, God, What's going on? What are you doing? Where are you? We've got to be reminded in our, where our faith is, where our trust is. And Psalm 121 is a good place to go. It says, he who keeps Israel will never slumber nor sleep. God is doing more than we may think. God is nearer to us than we may feel. God is never not doing something. God is able to rest and act at the same time. God is able to be close to us and yet far from us at the same time. This is the omniscient, omnipresent and omnipotent God that we believe in. The all-knowing, the all-seeing, the all-hearing, the all-powerful God. Jesus' mother was a very faithful servant of God, um, had compassion on the people at the wedding and wanted her son to do something because she knows he can. But it isn't time, he says, meaning my time um, isn't yet ready for people to see my glory. We, he doesn't perform or we don't get John writing about another miraculous sign until chapter four towards the end of that chapter. Remember, weddings were a big deal and John uses them as a reflection of the banquet that awaits us in heaven, the heavenly banquet. So we live in a world where bigger is better. And Jesus gives us the um, opposite of that. Bigger is not better. He shows, God shows through Jesus Christ that taking away, stripping himself of all the power of the world and more to come and reveal his glory. Stripping himself of absolutely full rights of sovereignty. Henry Nguyen says this, the world likes things to be large, big, impressive and elaborate. God chooses the small things which are overlooked in the big world. We live in times where bigger houses are better, bigger businesses are better, bigger churches are better, bigger finances are better, bigger cars are better. I once, when I, when I changed my car from a Ford Focus to a Ford Galaxy, um, one of my parishioners at my last church said when he saw it, 
Now you look like a real pastor because in their mind and in their culture, um, if you were a pastor, you were blessed on every front financially as well. And you look as if you are endowed with every riches, earthly and heavenly. It did challenge me a little bit, particularly when he said, we got to pray over your car, which I'm not anti at all. Until we value, and my point is, until we value the small wonders and participate in the many little wonders God seeks to channel through each and every one of us, why would we be able to see the bigger signs and miraculous wonders of God? The clues are in the daily wonders, signs and wonders. Verse 3 says, When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine, full of compassion. On the everyday thing, a wedding was a, a regular thing. Having wine was a regular thing. And Jesus said to him, woman, what concern is that to you and to me? My hour has not come. But yet Jesus still responds when Mary says to the servants close by, do what he tells you. And he tells them to go and get the jars filled with water. So, where are you in signs and wonders? Maybe you don't believe in miraculous signs and wonders. Maybe you've never encountered um, or believe you've never encountered uh, a miraculous sign of any kind. Maybe you're still waiting. Maybe you're missing it. Maybe it's time to stop, look, listen, follow and believe. Because until we get to that stage of belief in that our God is a God that not only stepped down into this world to meet us right where we are, to use us in our weaknesses, transformation is going to take a lot longer and it's going to be held back more than God believes it needs to be. God uses the little in us to make the much needed difference in our world. God uses the little in us to make the most needed difference in our world, in our communities, in our families. So the water and the wine is a symbol of transformation. And in a little while we're going to be sharing wine and the bread and the wine together. But the point of the water turning into wine is not so much the miracle, but the symbolism that once upon a time, water was a sign of purification. But now the wine, the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ is the significance of a spiritual transformation. When we undergo a spiritual transformation, and it doesn't have to be fireworks and loud bangs and loud flashes um, and big uh, moments. It can be in the stillness and in the quietness, in the mundane, everyday movement of life. When I came to faith, when I realised that I was accepting Jesus as my saviour, there was no lightning bolt or no flashing stars from the skies. I just said to somebody, I want to follow Jesus. And they said to me, have you said the prayer where you have 
um, admitted your sin and repented of your sins and um, invited Jesus to be your Lord and Saviour. And I said, yes, I've done that multiple times. And they said, welcome into the family. The wine is a sign of new life. The blood that Jesus shed was a sign that unless we die to self and rise in him, new life does not begin. And that new life is a significant daily transformation. The, the process of the wine, uh, the water turned into wine, is the transformation. It's the point is the transformation. Now, Mary, if you like, played a, a huge part in this, but in some sense, she played a, a very small part. We don't hear much of her um, other than the, the birth of Jesus, um, so the beginning and the end. But her participation in the story and the life of Jesus continues to be heard, said, and powerful 2,000 years later. I don't believe, as I said earlier, Mary fully grasps the significance of God's glory through her son. But Jesus did this, the first of his signs in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory. And you know what? Verse 13, verse 11 says, his disciples believed in him. Jesus did this. Not his mother, not the servants, not the wedding guests, not the bride, not the, not the, bride, not the groom. No one else. Jesus did this. At a momentous occasion, a wedding, where two tribes are coming together. It's not about two people, a man and a woman. It's about two tribes coming together and uniting as one. So in order to get to transformation, in order to get to belief, we need to stop, look, listen and follow. Like the disciples in chapter one. And in chapter two, they saw a sign and a wonder, a miraculous sign and wonder, and they believed. It's miraculous signs and wonders are happening every day. Can you see transformation in your life and the lives of others? Because that's the part, point where Jesus wants to get us, where God is leading us to. He's wanting us to know ourselves more than we can imagine. And it comes with believing and allowing yourself to be transformed by the renewing of life through the blood of Jesus Christ. If you are seeing it in others, but not encountering it yourself, then perhaps you are coveting what others are encountering. Unless you are being transformed by the gloriousness of God's presence within you, you may find it difficult to identify this in others. The issue here is not so much whether we can witness miraculous signs or even how we are interpreting miraculous signs, but are we living our lives in a way that allows God to move through us in divine ways? I want to show you my final clip, a true story of a young man, well, he's, a, a, um, he's an adult now, um, called Patrick Henry Hughes. Now, um, this man's start in life was, in an earthly sense, in a worldly sense, unfair and not equal. 
but he didn't see it that way from a very early age, from the age of being able to sit by a piano and press keys. Born blind, born deaf, he did not, or disabled, did not allow what God had invested into him be locked away. He allowed God to unlock his potential. Let's watch that clip. I just wanted to say that I saw your story on television and am very inspired. You are a courageous young man with a whole lot of heart. Our world needs more people like you and your father. We send our blessings and prayers for you. The mail comes from across the country. Expressions of how people have been moved by this tale of a father and a son. A son who refuses to be limited by disability and a father who gives everything so his child may realize dreams that once seemed so far out of reach. Patrick was born with two conditions, bilateral anopathalmia, meaning born without eyes, and pterygia syndrome, which severely constricts the flexibility and movement in his joints. There's all sorts of cases of children being born without eyes, and there's lots of cases of kids being born with pterygia syndrome, but never the two in combination. So. We're all one in a billion, but he really is one of a kind. Veiled by disability was a profound talent, and it didn't take long before Patrick's musical abilities rose to the surface. Show Daddy how you love the piano. Ah, what a pretty boy. When I was about nine months old, Dad took the tray off of a high chair and put it up in front of the piano. You know, many kids get up in front and they start seeing how loud they can hit the keys, but I always played with one finger, finding out where each note was. From the very beginning, when I would play a note, he would find that note uh, and play it back to me, even at less than a year old, the same number of times I played it. It was just amazing to watch him learn. <laughs> Good, Good job. job, Patrick. Patrick's talents were nothing short of prodigious, and extended to several other instruments, including trumpet. But musical ability alone wasn't enough for Patrick to earn a place with the Louisville Marching Band. And so it was decided that at football halftimes, Patrick's father would take a place behind his son, and together they would take the field. His main objective is to get me to the right spot at the right time. Sometimes he'll be a little off, and I'll notice that a lot because he'll push me a little faster and when he does that, I realize, hey, must have done something wrong, so we got to hurry up and get me to the right spot. During basketball season, Patrick Sr. accompanies his son to Freedom Hall. After most games, he'll leave for his post at UPS, where he works the overnight shift. He'll arrive home in time for three hours of sleep before waking up to tend to Patrick again. It's an arduous routine, but it's made all the difference in Patrick Henry's life. I guess I wouldn't be human if I didn't if I didn't have days where I said, "Man, I'm just I'm just tired. I wish I didn't have to work tonight or I wish I didn't have to go to school today." But it doesn't take long for me to erase that thought with, "Wow, I'm fortunate that I get to spend the day with my with my son. I get to watch him excel in class. I love being in the in the marching band." So, there's really no no time for for me to feel sorry for myself. It's all it's all good. And so this story continues to inspire people across America, 
Some affected by the lengths a father will go for his son. Others may be moved by the musical heights Patrick has reached despite disabilities that could have crushed his spirits years ago. It doesn't matter what kind of disabilities you have, what kind of complaints or problems you might have throughout your life. Who cares, big deal. I've always been taught that I could do anything that I set my mind to and have carried that with me throughout my entire life. So I knew I could do it. Being with Patrick and watching somebody moved to tears by his story or you know his music, any father's proud to see their children be successful and see their children you know, touch people. Uh, so I, yeah, I'm living a dream, I really am. I couldn't be happier. His dad, uh, the title of that is Against All Odds. And his dad says he's living the dream. Patrick Henry Hughes unlocked God's potential inside him. He didn't allow the disadvantage in this world to hold his potential back. He allowed God's miraculous touch to reveal God's signs and wonders in and through his life and continues to do to this day. It reminds me of a song by Chris Tomlin called The Way I Was Made. And the lyrics include this. Caught in the half-life, I'm caught alone. Waking up to the sunrise and the radio. Feels like I'm tied up. What's holding me? Just praying today will be the day I go free. I want to live like there's no tomorrow. I want to dance like there's no one around. I want to sing like nobody's listening before I lay my body down. I want to give like I've, I have plenty. I want to love like I'm not afraid. I want to be the man I was meant to be. I want to be the way I was made. Made in your likeness, made with your hands, made to discover who you are and who I am. All I've forgotten, help me to find. All that you've promised, let it be in my life. We do live in a world that seeks to hide us from the glories of God. We do live in a world where the vow is covering us where we have let the vow drop and we will not lift it for a whole host of reasons. We wear masks, not the PPE type of masks. We wear other masks in our lives. There was once upon a time we would walk into church and tell everybody it'd be okay. Now the world is opening up a bit more and saying, no, it's not okay. No, it's not. I am struggling. I, maybe you are struggling right here, right now. Maybe you are desperate for something more. God is seeking to give us more. Maybe a lot of this stripping away is helping us to discover what really sits in the depth of who we are. I can tell you what really sits in the depth, sits in the depth of everyone. It is God. God and his spirit, God and his power. God and his presence, God and his protection, God and his peace, God and his provision. The question is, are you stopping? Are you looking? Are you listening? Are you willing to follow? Are you daring to believe? Are you allowing the newness of the spirit to transform you 
into who you really are and what you are made for. And in that, you will discover God in ways that you have never imagined. Jesus says, uh, Mary says to Jesus, do whatever he tells you. So I say, as you stop, as you look, as you listen, as you seek to follow, as you seek to believe, as you seek to be transformed, do what he tells you. Don't hold back. Come to that place where God meets you, right where you are. I wonder what words in that passage really struck you. I wonder whether you are looking in the wrong places for the movements of God. God never stops. God never leaves us. He loves us far too much. And he wants to invite us to enter into a life where he will use us to reveal more of his glory through whatever miraculous signs and wonders he chooses to use. Now, obviously, that little um, uh, illustration I showed you of the wine and the water turning into wine is not a trick. It's, n it's just an illusion. Uh, it's not even an illusion. Um, it's a simple trick that anyone can do. Um, I don't possess any special um, miraculous powers that I can switch on and switch off like a magician. Often Christians look at God's miraculous power in that way as if he's a magician that can just switch on and switch off. That's not the way God chooses to work. God chooses to work through you just as you are in your weakness with the little that you've got to give him. He will make a world of difference, not just to your life, but to the life of those around us. So before we go into our time of communion, sharing the bread and sharing the wine, let me just reveal to you um, the um, answers to that challenge. If you've got it, well done. Um, feel free to put it in the, in the live chat now if you want to, um, and then uh, you can show people how well you did. But let me show those that are waiting. I hope you didn't give up. I hope you didn't throw the towel in because that is what a lot of people do. They give up too easily because it seems too hard. It doesn't matter whether you get it right or get it wrong. Were you obedient to trying to make it happen? Same with signs and wonders, miraculous signs and wonders. Don't be concerned that you're not seeing or feeling it, but be obedient to being allowed to be used for God to ch channel these miraculous signs and wonders.